I'm going to, I have a, I have to use a, a young person's Bible, my iPad, because I forgot mine. That's an old person's thing. I forgot mine at the hotel and my notes. And fortunately, I had them on my iPad. And so uh, if I get, uh, if I get computered up here, you guys just bear with me. Okay. One of you young people come say, well, this is how you do it, pastor. When, when um, I was thinking about something between services, this third time I've done this, but my, um, my dad um, was born in 1920, and uh, when he, he told me, he used to tell us this, this story when he was, a, uh, he said when he was eight years old, so he 1928, think about it, that's a long, long time ago, almost 90 years ago, he said when he uh, was eight years old, uh, they took him to an optometrist and they got him glasses. Now, nowadays, I, I just love seeing little kids with glasses. They just look so cute. Uh, but um, normally, you're, you get them younger now. But he, he'd grown to eight years of age, so he'd, he'd experienced a little bit of life. And he said, when they put them on him, he said, my world changed. He said, it was, it, it, it was his most overwhelming day of his life. He said, I could see things that I didn't know existed. He said there was, a, a, he was looking out the window and he could see a sign across the street. He didn't know that sign was there. He said, my, my whole life, and he's eight years old, obviously, so it's not a big life, but uh, he said, my life changed. What I want to talk to you about today is the way you look, the way you look at something and how it can change your life. Um, I, when I was a young Christian, we used to say, uh, there, there was a statement people make that said, don't be so earthly, uh, heavenly minded that you know earthly good. How many have ever heard that statement? Don't be so heavenly minded. Here, here's the truth. The more heavenly minded you are, the more earthly good you're going to be. Um, what, what they were really was saying, don't be weird. <laughs> now, come on. You come, sometimes we think to be more spiritual, we have to act a little, ooh, you know, and, and God's, God's not weird. He's, he, sometimes he's supernatural. I mean, he is supernatural, but so I, I want to talk about this. Turn your Bibles, and it just did something really weird here, and I have no idea. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> this is Adventures in Computing with Pastor Bob. All right. Um, I want you to turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 4, uh, verse 16, and I'm going to read this passage, kind of lay a framework for what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, Paul in the previous verses just talking about stuff in life. How many how many have stuff in your life? And, and and not all of it's good, right? Not all some of it's not very much fun, but some of it's uh, can even be painful. And he's talking about hard things he's even gone through. Verse sixteen, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. He says, "That's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small." It won't last very long. Now, now, Paul was beaten with whips. He was shipwrecked. He was uh, starved. He was actually stoned one time, uh, not with rocks, in case you're wondering. <laughs> I, know, I know some of you have been stoned, but not with rocks. And I have too, but anyway. <clears throat> he was stoned and, and to the point where... Most theologians believe he actually died and went to heaven and came back. And uh, he said, our present troubles are small. That's what he calls present trouble. No, 
probably almost maybe nobody in this room has been through something like that. He says, um, and it won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that far, vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles that we can see, rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see will be gone, soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. For, for we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die, and this earthly body we have, when this is gone, we'll have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies. This, this morning, I, I, I had uh, flip-flops on and I went to get breakfast and I, I caught my toe my little toe, you know, you know how that feeling where it rips all the way back to your, your back to your heel. <laughs> My wife finally said, "Just suck it up, Bucko." <laughs> it, it, was, it still hurts. It's really bad. Anyway, I mean, some things about this body hurt. Anyway, um, he says, "For we will put on heavenly." Our, he said, "We were wearing our present bodies. We long to put on heavenly bodies like new clothing." Where we put on heavenly bodies will be, not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. That's what I was doing this morning, Cindy, just so you know. And it's not that we want to die, although I felt like it. <laughs> and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so these dying bodies will swallow it up by life. What's really life? Uh, God himself has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. So we're always confident, even though we know, we, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and believing and not seeing. Yes, we are confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. My my mom um, passed away about uh, a month ago, and uh, she was uh, she's a wonderful lady, loved Jesus and amazing part of our lives and uh, amazing prayer warrior. She had over a hundred people she prayed for every day. Uh, she said, I can't hardly do anything, but I can pray. And so she would pray for hours every day and really, really pray. And I, I didn't want her to die. Uh, for one thing, I, I, I need a lot of prayer. I, need, I mean, I didn't need a lot of prayer. And, uh, and I really trusted her prayers for me. I really counted on that. In fact, when I would travel, she knew when I was speaking, what I was doing. I have a team back home that does that too, but something about a mom's prayer is really special. And, and uh, so we're in hospice, and she said to me, she said, son, you, you need to let me go. I want to go home. <laughs> and she's really, she had lived a good life. She's 92 years old. She said, I, I want to go home. She says, it's, it's my time. You need to let me go. And, and I actually prayed. I said, all right, Lord, I, I let her go. And and it was actually just wonderful. She saw angels and <laughs> it was amazing. It was mind-boggling. She's in a coma and then she wake up and say, did you just see them? I said, see what? She says, they're, they're beautiful. And she just smiled in the coma. She just grinned because she, she saw her. She loved Jesus. She yearned for him. <clears throat> he says, uh, so whether we are here in the body or away from the body, our goal is to please him. Verse 10, this is serious. We must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. We're going to give account for our lives, is what it says. And it doesn't mean we're not going to heaven, but we're going to, we're going to give account for our lives. 
Um, let's, uh, now I got to switch over to notes and figure out how to do that. There we go. Ah. <laughs> Philippians 3.20. <laughs> For our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to catch that. We're, our citizenship, that means where we really belong. We're, we're, probably most of you are Americans. Maybe you're proud to be an American and you're concerned about the things American. But our real citizenship, what really counts is our heavenly citizenship. And, and he says, we eagerly wait for a savior from there, Jesus Christ. Attitude, and this, I don't know if they have this on the, on the screen, but attitude is the way we perceive life. The glasses through which we view the events and circumstances around us. So, two people can see the same thing, can, can encounter the same events in their life. One person goes through it and doesn't seem to bother them or they even kind of have joy coming out of it. Another person can be devastated about it. How many have observed that in life? I mean, it, and, and it, it has to do with not with how bad the circumstances are. What it has to do with is how you see the circumstances and how you see yourself. In other words, your, your perception, your attitude about that. And so, so the way you look at life... And, and obviously, as Christians, you, you've heard lots of teaching on this. But the way you look at life, the way you see things, determines how that life's going to be and how, you're gonna, how it's going to affect you. Because everybody has stuff in their life, right? Every, everybody goes through things. And, and uh, if, if you've never gone through anything, you, just wait. Okay? I mean, I'm just telling you, it, it, it happens to everybody. Uh, sometimes very hard things. Life has, uh, has tragedy in it, has joy in it, has all kinds of things. But the, the way you see the, the context that you see life in really determines stuff. Paul said this. He said, if in this life only we have hope in Jesus, we're the most miserable of people. Think about that. I, I, how many are glad how Jesus touches your life today and has helped you and your marriage is better, maybe your parenting is better and your relationships are better and, and maybe even your work ethic and your, your finances are better and you, God's blessed your life. I mean, I, I, that would be my testimony. God's wonderfully blessed my life. But Paul says, if that's all I got, I'm miserable. He's like, I'm missing out on something because my real hope, and I, I want you to catch this, my real hope is an eternity. Let me, uh, let me read. Um, if only in this life we have hope, we are to be pitied more than all men. Psalm 90, verse 12, the psalmist says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. He says, Lord, help me to understand how, how, how short my life is. There's one place in the Bible that says, a, a man's life is like a breath. Now, I don't know about you, but most of the time I think I'm pretty important. And so do you. So do you. Most of my time I think about me. And so do you. I'm, I mean, when, when I ripped my toe off, I didn't think of anybody else in the room but Bob. It was, what about Bob? <laughs> right? I mean, I was, I was hurting. And, and Cindy said, suck it up, bucko. <laughs> but, anyway. 
God, I, I need to see my life in a context. The Bible says it's like, it's not talking about lack of value in my life. He just says, your days on earth are 70, 80 if, if you're lucky. I'm at 70 now. I'm, I've lived 70 years. I, I've got all I'm supposed to get. Everything else is a gift. <laughs> you might have killed me with that toe. I don't know. <laughs> all right. I, I better quit talking about the toe. Let, let's pray. Let's, let's pray. And then I want to talk to you about living life with a view to eternity, with, in light of eternity. And, and I promise you, it's like putting glasses on you. Your whole existence will be different. So raise your hands like you want to receive from the Lord. And we're going to pray together. Now, I had to explain the first service this. Together means you actually pray out loud. They didn't, they didn't get that. I had to go back. And, and I know you guys will get it right away. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, this morning, I give you my heart and my mind for you to speak to. Teach me. Reveal yourself to me. Help me to understand, to receive, and to walk in truth that sets me free. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, now as we've prayed for our hearts and minds to be open, God, I, 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 God you, know, you know everybody here's individual life story. You know everything about us. And God, I, I pray that you would take the words that I would speak, God. Now you would tailor them for each person. God, so that what, what needs to be spoken to them, God, far beyond anything I would say, God, you would speak to them. God, you love these people. God, I, I believe you've brought them here today so that you could speak to them and encourage them and teach them and give them new vision. So Lord, give me grace, give me anointing. Help me to say what you once said. And bless this time we ask in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. 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 By the way, we love your pastor. I forgot to say that. We love your pastor's wife. We love my wife. Raise your hand. Isn't she cute? And, uh, and I've got some people from uh, one of our pastors and his wife is here. Uh, Steve and Crystal, where are you guys? Over here? Oh, way back there. I'm supposed to sit up front. Anyway, he's a, they are a great couple. Get to know them. We love your team. Our, our churches really connect well. All right. When I was about 14 or 15, um, I had a girlfriend. By the way, I do not advocate that all you young people say that was terrible that he did that. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, but anyway, I had a girlfriend, and, and maybe the story is why you shouldn't do this, but anyway, I had this girlfriend, and uh, she broke up with me. And it was the first romantic trauma of my life, at least as far as I can remember. And it devastated me. Now, now, when I say I had a girlfriend, when I, I probably went on four dates where my mom drove us to the movies. You know, I was, I was a stud, man. I was, <laughs> you know, I mean, you couldn't drive a car, and so, you know, they'd take you to a dance or a movie or whatever you did. Um, but it really, I was 15, and it just crushed me. I used to go down to my basement. I had a, I had a weight uh, bench down there, and I would go down and I'd put on. You now you got most of you won't even know what they, they're called. Forty fives. They were little, little records like this, and I would play it. Uh, you could, uh, my my record player had a repeat deal. I played it over and over this song, and I think it was the guy named Bobby Vinton. Some of you might know, remember him. Yeah, they got a few gray heads in here. They're going, yeah, Bobby Vinton. I love him, man. Go, man. All right. So I would play this over, and he would sing this song, something like this: "Take good care of my baby." Some of you remember, yeah. 
Don't ever let her be blue. And if you should discover that you don't really love her, please send my baby on back to me. And I would pump iron and go, take care of my baby. I'm not exaggerating. I mean, I would just sob down down the base and nobody would see me. I'm not sure I can remember her name. <laughs> now, now this, is, this is what I want you to see. I only had 15 years of context, and that was a significant thing in my life at 15. But now, after 70 years, I'm thinking, who, I, I, it's one of two girls, and I can't remember which one it was, actually. <laughs> and, and if I saw either one, I wouldn't be at all interested, because my wife is way better than either one of them are, and she, she's also younger. They would be my age. They'd be 70 years old. I don't care about them. I got a 65-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Who looks like she's 40. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm trying to get you to see is it's the context really affects the way you look at things. I, I was praying this morning, actually, the Lord, uh, early this morning, God began to speak to me, and he g- gave me kind of an illustration. Let's say a piece of paper is a year in your life, okay? One year in your life. Now, think about this, and if you just put them like this, and then add them together, this is, this is a stack, this is maybe 100 years, this, this might represent your whole life, and then you just go on for eternity Let's just take it around the world once, okay? From here, what is it, uh, 24,000 miles around the the earth? 24,000 miles of paper stacked to stack. And and my 15th year, 14th year, is this. And that girl, my, my, my heartbreak season was probably this much of that year. Really? Now... I, when I only had 15 pieces of paper, this is a big deal, right? But now I have, I have 70 pieces of paper, and it's not a big deal. Think about when I have eternity, it's nothing. I won't even remember it even happened. Or if I do remember, I won't care. I don't care now. <laughs> right? Do you, do you get the picture? I want you to, to, to see this. And, um, do you have a Bible? Can you hand me your Bible? Somebody, anybody have a real paper Bible? Okay, I like these. Actually, I got a Bible just about like this. I, I, I don't know how many pages of this. I counted mine this morning. There's 1,600 pages in my Bible. That's, that's 1,600 years. That's 1,600 years right now. Now, remember, we're going around the world with paper. This represents 1,600. Augustine was 1,600 years ago. In fact, if you add, you add 400 more pages, you're at the time of Jesus. You see kind of the context of this? We live life in eternity. We don't, we don't live in 70 years. We live in eternity. And, and when you see life in that context, it changes everything you do. Let me just give you some, some thoughts on, on eternity. First of all, we were made for eternity. You, you were created for eternity. But let me, um, these are great scriptures. How, how many love the word of God? I, 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 I just, uh, 
for years, I, I, I was not very disciplined reading my Bible. Even as a pastor, I read, have times I read a lot, and, and then I go times I get too busy. And, but in the last 15, 20 years of my life, I, I, can't, I just miss it if I don't feed myself on it because there's so much good stuff. Now, listen to this. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He made everything beautiful in his time, and he set eternity in the hearts of men. So in all of our hearts, there's this sense of eternity. That, that's why... That's why we, we think there's got to be more to it than this. I, 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 that's why people try to do the things they do and why guys uh, try to set records and why people build big businesses and, and, and people do stupid stuff on, on Facebook. Because they, really, because they want it's, it, they want to scratch that eternity itch. The problem is all that stuff's fake. And, it, and, and it's not real. But God puts in our heart. Now, now if you're here today, and, and there was a number of you who are visitors, and maybe, maybe you're not a Jesus follower yet. And that's okay. I, I was like that. Or maybe you were and you kind of question it all. The reason you're here, and you're probably thinking, well, my wife brought me or my friend brought me. Or they, they, they finally, I just said, okay, I'll go. Inside, there's something in you that yearns for eternity. God created it. It's a, it's a, a desire. I, I was a philosophy major in college, and I studied uh, the great thinkers of, of the world. You know, Plato, Aristotle, and, and uh, you know, the other guys. <laughs> it was a long time ago. <laughs> you know what I saw in all? There was this, even the ones that said, I'm an atheist, there was still this yearning for something more than this life. There's some like a hunger, a desire. You, you all sense it inside. We, we try to fill it in different ways, but it's because God put it in us. The, the other part of this is this, that whatever God does, and let me, let me read you the scripture because it's a great scripture in Ecclesiastes 3.14. It says, I know that everything God does will endure forever. So everything, everything that you do in God, with God, has eternity written on it. So, so the, the, the lady that got me a coffee, she, what she did is more than just getting a coffee. It has eternity. She's doing it to serve in the house of the Lord. And, and, and so God help him preach better. I mean, I, who, but she's doing it to serve the Lord. People that greeted in the parking lot, there's a guy out there jumping up and down with a sign. It's like, a, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken or something, you know. <laughs> well, what, what, why is he doing that? Why, it's, he's doing something that's eternal. It has eternal ramifications. Now, now everything you do, people play it on the worship team. They're not just doing a set. They're, they're doing something that has eternity that's, that comes through it. They're... Little things you do in life have enormous impact. So, my girlfriend. I don't even know who she is anymore. But what I do for God, and I really want you to catch this. So what I do for God, when I do something for God, it's like it's translated through every piece of paper forever. Now, are you catching this? Sure. Every piece of paper, every, everything. I had a guy uh, gave a testimony in a church one time. 
he, he, I don't even know how he got to do it. So back a long time ago, we had a midweek service. And he got up front and he said, uh, I think he talked to Pastor Lee. And he said, you know, I, was, uh, I lived in Great Falls. I grew up in Great Falls. And he said, I, I was uh, a homosexual. He said, I lived next door to a pastor. He said, that pastor would come over and talk to me all the time. And uh, he said, I would just blow him off. It kind of annoyed me. He'd talk to me. He was a nice guy, he said, but he would just talk to me all the time about Jesus, this Jesus. And he said, finally, he said, I moved to San Francisco so I could purposely pursue the lifestyle that, that I felt was natural to me. So when I got there, I met a group, I think it was called Exodus. He said, I got engaged in this group and I met Jesus. He said, and, and he said, some of that pastor, you know, that those things, words stuck in my heart. He said, I met Jesus. He said, he said, this is my wife. He brought his wife up on the stage. That was a really powerful testimony. After the service, I went up to him and I said, I said, that is, that's really cool. That's amazing. I said, who was the pastor that you lived next door to? He, I, I was thinking maybe it was Lee because he's the most outgoing one in our staff. And, and he said, it was you. <laughs> I said, really? He said, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't remember him at all. He said, you, you live right next door to me. He told me the house. As soon as he told, and he described his house because it was kind of on stilts. He said, you would come over and talk to me all the time. He said, I would try to annoy you to get you out of there, but you'd just come and talk to me. <laughs> I, I didn't, what happened? I, in my bumbling way, I was doing eternal stuff. And God brought Stuff through it. And, and who knows what lives he's touched that have touched lives that have touched lives. Do, do you see that? See, whatever you do for God has eternity written on it. That's why it's such a treat and such a joy to serve the Lord. And point number two, point number two, the stuff of this life is going to burn. Um, that, that truck that you just have to have, that big, big old fancy truck. This is Idaho. I know you guys like, I'm from Montana. We like trucks there too. Let, let me, let me read you a couple of scriptures and then I'll. So we fix our eyes, second Corinthians 4, 18 on what is seen, not as what is unseen for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Second uh, Peter three ten. but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. All right, here, here's what he's saying. Everything that I and you, a lot of things that we spend our attention, our affections, we worry about, we stress over, They're going to burn. <laughs> my 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 sixteen year old or fifteen year old romance. It's done. Who cares? I, I had a guy in my church years ago, and uh, a guy asked if he could borrow his truck. He wanted to go hunting, and he said, "I heard you had a truck. Can I borrow your truck?" And the guy said, "Sure." So he he came over to his house to get the truck. The guy's name is Roger Skipper. Crystal, you probably remember Roger. And when I heard the story, I was, if you own a nice truck, how many own nice trucks in here? Liars, come on, how many own nice trucks? <laughs> Lots of you do. You're not gonna like this story. All right, so the guy came to Roger's house and he said, it's gonna borrow a truck. When he looked at it, it was a brand new truck. It was a really nice truck. 
The guy said, oh, I don't want to borrow it, man. He said, I'm going up the mountains. I'm going to go through brush. He said, I'll probably scratch it up. I don't, I don't want to do it. Roger said, no, fine, borrow it. He said, man, I don't want to do that. He said, I don't want to mess up your truck. I thought you was an older truck. He said, listen, I don't mind. Take my truck. The guy said, no, I just don't feel comfortable doing it. Roger took a key out of his pocket and went along the side of his truck. He said, now take my truck. Now, I would not do that. I would not do that. <laughs> do, do, you, do you get what I'm talking about? See, there's things that seem so important to us. I mean, I'm the same way. I, I got a, I, for probably five years, I told my family, when I turn 70, I want a 70-inch TV. I think every 70-year-old man should have a 70-inch TV. <laughs> and just to be humble, I got a 65. <laughs> And it's way cool. And I've had it for about six months now. You know what? It's just a TV. It really is. It's just a TV. And I think they make better ones now. I just got a deal on on the internet, you know, where they send you the deals from Best Buy or Crutchfield or something like that. And they said, you should see the new Samsungs. I thought, oh. (laughs) That TV... It's just going to burn. It's nothing. Do, do you see that? Stuff of this life's going to Third point, third point. What we're going to is better than we can imagine. I, you know, I, I, whenever I do a funeral one of the, for a Christian, I, I really like to talk about heaven. And most of what we teach about heaven is sort of guesswork. We kind of, but one of the things I was thinking, all the miracles in the Bible, all the amazing things, all that stuff has a heavenly basis, so we can probably do everything that was done amazing in the Bible. We can probably do it in heaven. For example, we could be translated. You, you know what I mean by that? Not translated language, but you're here and then you find yourself over there. Amen. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. So I, I just want to go see Mark. <laughs> I want a mask. <laughs> Got a mask. You won't even need a mask. You'll be okay in heaven. All right, listen to this, though. This is Second uh, Peter 3.13. In keeping with this promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven, new earth. It says this, the home of righteousness. Now, I don't know about you, but I see things in life and I think, it's just not right. You watch the news and you say, that's not right. Hear about a tragedy in your town and say, that's not right. There, there's a Greek word, uh, that you've probably heard shalom. How many have heard the word shalom? The, the words translate normally in the Bible, peace. But it actually means more than just the absence of conflict. What it means is this, the way things are supposed to be. And so Jesus is the prince of shalom. He's the prince of the way things are supposed to be. And when he brings peace to us, he begins to restore things to the way they're supposed to be. And when we get an eternity... Things will be right. And and I I love my life now. I love my wife. I love my kids, my grandkids, my church. But but this world isn't right. And and if you live any length of time, you realize this there's things just aren't right. But someday they will be in eternity. And and that's what I'm pointing towards, even though I'm called to live my 70, 80, 100 years on this earth, and I've got things to do, but all of it relates to eternity. Can you, can you say amen to that? All right, let me give you some po- last points to kind of tie this together. 
And that's this, that our view of eternity is foundational how you live your life on this earth. Number one, it determines our choices, how you view things. Colossians says, uh, 3 verse 1 and 2 says, since you've been raised in Christ, set your heart on things above, or one translation, set your affection on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Matthew 6, 19, store for yourself treasures in heaven, for where your treasure is, there will be heart also. My son is a musician, and uh, like me, he had a season of wrestling with God. How many know what I'm talking about? Okay. And um, he, had a, he had the hottest rock and roll band in Great Falls. That's not a big deal, but, it, you know, <laughs> Great Falls is smaller than this town. So. But um, he would play in bars. That's where they play. Uh, they played 70s and 80s rock and roll, and, and he was very good. He's very gifted. And Cindy and I would go to bars to listen to him play because we love our son. And um, it, it was uh, it's actually really good for us in, in the long term. It was good in a lot of different ways. But we would, if I didn't have a view to eternity, I think I would have gone in there and been kind of disgusted with what, what I saw in there because Jesus saved me out of that. And I didn't do that stuff anymore. And I'm a lot better than that. But because I could see eternity, it, it tore me up when we go in there. I, I, would, I would be on the verge of tears the whole time we'd be there. I love, I love rock and roll. I'm an old, I'm an old rocker. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I love the music. But I'd see these people and I knew, I remembered I was there. And I, I would be, I, I would spend most of my time praying and trying to figure out ways to be nice. And one night we were in a, it's a, a, the, probably the, the hottest bar in town. And there was maybe two or 300 young people. I was amazed that they were all there. I thought, we got to figure out a way to get these kids. And, and I actually, I, I had a, I envisioned myself jumping up on a pool table and preaching. <laughs> Except I knew I wouldn't be able to get up on a pool table. <laughs> and that's probably not the best evangelism. My wife, Cindy, was wonderful. She just loved these people and embraced them. And he had a whole group of middle-aged women. They were his groupies. They'd follow him from gig to gig. And Cindy got to know them all and call them by name and give them hugs when we come in. We just saw it different because of eternity. You'll think different. You make different choices. Number two. Number two, the way you handle tragedy and and difficult times will be different because of eternity. Let me read the scripture on this. Paul, um, Paul was a pretty amazing guy. He went through some tough stuff. He was whipped and, uh, multiple times. He was shipwrecked. He was stoned, uh, literally stoned. He was given up for dead. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, 18, he said, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. We fix our eyes on what is seen, not what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Romans, Romans 8, he says, I, I consider our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Between the services, I had a, a couple, actually, they came separately, as husband and wife, but they came separately and talked to me and thanked me for the message and they told me a bit of their story. Um, 
they, their, their 29-year-old son died. I, I can't imagine the pain of that. My, my son's 32 now. And, and when he was struggling with Jesus, I, I mean, I would wake up in the middle of the night and I'd pray beside my bed, cry out to God for him. By the way, he's doing well now. But they, they lost their son. But he, he went connected to Jesus. Actually, they told me on his deathbed, he told them, he says, I think Jesus answered my prayers. He was excited. And both of them, neither one of them had bitterness or anger. They had a joy in their heart. How do you do that? How do you go through something that hard? It's because your head's lifted up and you see something beyond this life. You see that? You see God written on your life. And you see, this is forever. And, and even though they're separated for a season, they're going to spend eternity together. That's, when, when you're young, it's hard to think like that. Because you think, well, I, you know, I got stuff to do and I want to do those things. But do everything with a sense of eternity in your heart. The last point is this, that a view determined, uh, the right view of eternity will just help you live your life right. My dad uh, and mom moved up to be with us when uh, my dad was uh, 80 years old. He died at 92, so he lived with us for 12 years, and then my mom lived another five years. So 17 years were the two of them. When they came up, God just did something in their heart. And he said, I just want to, I want to support where they loved our church and they want to support what we're doing. My dad uh, ran all our construction. He was really smart and, and really wanted to do it my way. He, he, wanted, he, he was just amazing to work with. And he was really good with contractors and, and all that stuff. He's just a really smart man and really kind, probably the most loved man in our church. He's about 87 or 88. He came to me, he said, son, he said, I'm getting too old for this. He, his heart didn't work really well and had about 30% usage. So he, when he spoke, he spoke in kind of a whisper. A big, tall guy. My dad was a um, soldier. He was a, a military hero, been in Korea in World War II, had a silver star, bronze stars. He was a dignified man, really amazing guy. He said, son, I'm just getting too old for this. I can't do it. You need to get a younger guy. I didn't want a younger guy. I wanted my dad because he was so good at it, but I, I wanted to honor him. I said, all right, dad, I'll start looking. Right about that time, we did a campaign in our church called 40 Days of Purpose out of the Purpose Driven Life book. And uh, we, we did it as a whole church. It's a great time in our church. And it begins with a big uh, kickoff banquet service. And, and Rick Warren spoke on our, on our screen. Uh, it, it was a live feed and he spoke. And at the end of his message... He told a story about his own father. He said, on my dad's deathbed, his dad was a pastor too. He said, on my dad's deathbed, he sat up in bed and he said, save one more for Jesus. And then he died. How cool is that? Man, I'd like to go like that. All right. And, and, but it was really moving. And, you know, obviously it really touched all of us. And after the message, my dad came up to me and he had tears in his eyes. And he said to me, son, I'm going to serve Jesus any way you want for the rest of my life. Why? Because he saw he was a part of eternity. He was, he, he, his life wasn't about not doing it. it was about, and by the way, he did. Up until his death, he served God. Same as my mom, just served the Lord. 
My mom, about a year after my dad died, thought that she, uh, uh, her pacemaker started going bad. And th- that happens, and they give you about three, three months. It, it goes to 60%, so they can tell that they're weaker, and then they, they go in and replace the battery. And she said, I'm not going to replace the battery. She said, I'm, just, I'm ready to go home. I want to be with Jesus. I, I didn't like it. I wanted her around because she was a great prayer warrior. And other than her pacemaker, she was healthy. And, and I, my mom was really a dignified woman. I think she imagined that one day she would just peacefully go in her sleep. She actually called all of her, my mom, she's a kick. She called all her friends and told them, I'm, this, in the next couple of weeks, I'll be going to be with Jesus. I just want to tell you goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like it, you know, and I was talking to her about this. I said, Mom, what if you just pass out in your soup? Well, she said, I never thought of that. <laughs> so we're at the doctor's office, and, and the doctor's talking to her about this, and he's kind of trying to convince her to get it replaced. And he walked out, and I said, you know, Mom, all your life you've lived for other people, and you live to serve God. I said, are you going to die not doing that? She looked at me. And she said, you're right. I'll get the pacemaker. And she did. She had to put in. She lived another productive four years of praying for people. Why? She saw eternity. She saw what she did. Even though, she, like Paul, she yearned to be with the Lord. But she also said, it's important for me to be on earth. It's important for you to be here. It, you have stuff to do. And life sometimes is really hard. You keep on serving God. There's a, a missionary from the 1800s, 18, late 18th century. His name is C.T. Studd. What a cool name, huh? So my name's Bob. That's so boring. I'd like to, I wish, my name is C.T. Studd. Can you imagine that if he introduced you? Today, speaking will be C.T. Studd. Yeah. This guy was a, a jock. He was actually a cricket, cricket player in England. He was uh, on the national team. He was one of the best in the country. And God powerfully saved him. It's actually, his whole family, his brothers and they all went into ministry of some sorts. But C.T. Studd went and started a work in, in India. He actually started in China with Hudson Taylor. Then he moved to India, did work there, mission work, and then uh, spent the rest of his life in Africa. And many, much of the missions in um, Central Africa, in Sudan and Central Africa, was started by this guy. And he wrote a poem, and I, I love this. He says, only one life... This is the end of the poem. He says, only one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. You only have one life. You only have one life. And it's pretty short. You can do a lot of this kind of stuff. I got a lot of these in my life, Right? Or you can do this stuff. And this lasts. This lasts. This guy's pretty intense. He also said this. This is a quote too. He says, some, some want to live within the sound of a church or chapel bell. He says, I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. <laughs> a couple years ago, I had a guy... A good guy in our church came to me and he was really upset. You know, people come up all the time, they got burdened for something. And he said, Pastor, he said, uh, you know that we have a bar across the street from us. He said, uh, you know that bar across the street? He said, they're going to put a strip club in there. He said, what are we going to do about that? He was really concerned. 
I, I thought for a minute and I said, you know, I don't want a strip club in Great Falls. I don't want it in our county. I think they're horrible. They, obviously, for all kinds of reasons, they're demeaning. And I said, but if they're going to put one in Great Falls, I want it right next door to the church. Amen. I said, and then we're going to put a sign up front that says, strippers welcome. Now, what we could do is go over and protest that because we're looking at this life, right? Come on, think about if things don't go the way we want, I got to take care of my life. I say, my life's not about this. My life's about that. Strippers, welcome. Bow your heads, please.